So just to orientate you to the space in case you've missed a couple of weeks or you haven't been here before, uh, we've been looking for the last, what seems like forever, uh, this series called The Stuff of Life. And it's been based out of this book uh, by a guy called Australian bloke uh, named Carl Faze. And uh, we stole the title. Um, We made our own graphic, but uh, if you want to read a really interesting book, and I like it because there's not many words on each page, you know, know, the normal things when it comes to reading, less words is normally better, Um, but it's basically all about making the most of the everyday. So this series has basically just been looking at what is it about the day-to-day life that we need to be looking at and paying attention to. We've looked at loss, we've looked at love, we've looked at relationships, and last week we looked at death, and today we're going to be looking at making the most out of our time. Because time is the one resource that everybody has in common. There's a couple of things that everyone experiences while on earth. Um, uh, We're born, we live a life, we die, and everything that happens between when we're born and when we die is, uh, is fairly randomized depending on who we are, depending on where we are, and depending on the context that we find ourselves in. But time is the great equalizer because it doesn't matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter how educated you are, it doesn't matter um, what possessions you happen to own or be gifted with, at the end of the day, everyone shares the commonality that we have 24 hours in a day and we all have the exact same amount of time. And today, we wanna, I want to look at this idea of time and be thinking around the, the idea of how do we use it wisely. Because one of the great things about the Christian faith and the things that the Christian faith calls us to is to live a life which is wise. Um, From the book of Genesis through to the book of Revelation, the Bible is sort of a big story of God redeeming His creation and calling us to live wisely in relationship with Him. So, we're going to have a look at how do we use our time wisely. So, let's get into it. Every morning, we wake up, hopefully. And uh, we have some decisions before us. How are we going to use our time today? So we wake up, we don't ask the question out loud unless you're a really organized person or you don't know what you're doing. Uh, You might go, what am I going to do today? But most of us wake up and the question that's there is, what am I doing? And there's generally three responses to this. The first response to what am I going to be doing today uh, might be uh, dependent on what past you decided to do. So past you decided to have a certain job, Past you decided to uh, make relational decisions. Past you decided to stay up till 12 p.m. or uh, or 12 a.m. or 1 a.m. Past you made decisions that current you now has to live into. If you've got a job, uh, then you have to wake up and prepare for that job. If you've got a day off, you wake up and you have a day off. So we wake up in the morning and how we use our time, uh, for some of us, it's, it's past us, has made decisions and then we follow what those decisions are. That's one way we answer that question. Past you made decisions and commitments, present you has to deliver on those commitments. Uh, Another way we can answer that question is to wake up and just throw caution to the wind. To wake up and just get out of bed and go, I don't know what I'm doing today, uh, but I'm going to walk out my front door confidently and something's going to capture my attention or someone else is going to tell me what I should be doing and I'm just going to see how it happens. Uh, And we go through seasons of this. Uh, I had a very nice season of this when I was at Bible college because... uh, you know, when you're at uni, um, the timetable's fairly loose, you can make your own decisions. Some mornings I woke up and I'm like, I know I've got an assignment due or something, but I'm just going to wake up and see what happens. Those were simpler times, lovely times, in fact. And it's okay to be in that space for a season, uh, but at some point, as we all know, um, at some point we need to 
how to get up and know what we're doing and how we're going to be doing it. And the third way which we can wake up and ask, answer this question, how do I use my time today, is sometimes, uh, these happen normally after we've gone through an experience or we've had some sort of awakening in our souls, we can wake up and we have the space mentally, we have the space in our environment, we have the space to actually ask or dare to ask the question, where do I want to be one day? And sometimes we wake up and we're actually able to start dreaming about where we want to be. And that dreaming is going to dictate how we spend our time because if we've got a certain goal that we want to commit to, uh, then it's going to take time for us to develop and get towards that. I'll use an example right now. Um, If I had the dream of wanting to be an Australian cricketer, which for a while was my dream, I took, uh, unfortunately, the, of course, I had to look around and realise my reality. I wasn't fit enough. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't in the right environment. I wasn't in the right teams for that to ever be a possibility. But right now, if I woke up and I had a dream to become an Australian cricketer, uh, then that means I'd need to drop everything I'm doing now to focus on that, and that probably wouldn't happen. If I was to be honest, I'd love that to happen. That'd be amazing if it happened, but it's probably not going to happen. So when we wake up and we have a chance to dream, hopefully we dream with wisdom and we go, I want to be here one day or I want to be in a certain job position or I want to be using my time to help people or I want to be using my time. Whatever it might be, we wake up and we go, what do I want to do? And this is sort of like habit forming. What what am I going to do to get to where I want to go? And at the end of the day, we all have a goal we're sort of aiming for. We all have goals that we're aiming for. So when we wake up and we decide what to do with our time, we're generally, we have a picture of where we want to be and we're using our time in a way that is going to get us to that goal. For me, um, I believe that part of the Christian experience, for those of us who know Jesus and have, uh, who are following Him in the journey of life, uh, our goal at the end of the day is that we want to live in a way that glorifies God, that says that God's amazing and that reflects the way that He designed us the way that He created us and honours the context that He placed us into. And I believe every human on earth has this um, inbuilt desire to want to glorify God, just sometimes we choose to not do that. But whatever your end goal is, we've got to understand that whatever we're aiming at is going to dictate how we spend our time. And I want to argue that from a Christian perspective, if following Jesus is part of your life, and glorifying God is the ultimate end goal, and participating in the kingdom of God is the ultimate end goal, then we need to be using our time in a way which actually gets us there, so that we don't get distracted. But you may have your own end goal, and uh, that's absolutely fine. Uh, We all have little mini goals, sometimes we end up getting a little bit distracted, but whatever your end goal is, as long as you understand that your time is going to be used fulfilling that time. So, how, fulfilling that goal, sorry. So how do we make sure that we use our time wisely? I want to give you a paradigm, which you've heard before, because uh, it's common sense, I've preached on it before, and I'm sure you've run into this in other places, but I want to give you a paradigm to use that's going to be very vague, but you need to apply it. So sometimes you come to, uh, you might have come this morning hoping I'm going to tell you, do A, then B, then C, woohoo, life is amazing. Uh, unfortunately, that's not how life works. You do A, you do B, and then D cuts in and then suddenly everything goes up. Example of this, this morning, I've got a band-aid on my finger, um, I had the lovely idea of leaving my house at 7.55, I've got three young kids, 
I made sure that they had had their food. Marnell had everything prepped so that she could get them ready. And I was at the door at 7.55 and I'm reversing my car. And in my mind, I'm like, yes, I'm going to get there at 8.02. So I'll be two minutes late, but, you know, at least I got away at 7.55. And I'm reversing out and I hear a smash. And I'm like, oh, it's not a good noise. And I get out of the car and there's a shattered bottle on the ground, <laughs> which I've just rid- uh, driven over. And so I'm stuck with a conundrum. I'm, stand, I'm there and I'm looking at this shattered uh, piece of glass on the sidewalk as well. So it wasn't just in my driveway, it was on the sidewalk, which makes sense because the person who was probably consuming such a lovely beverage decided this is a lovely spot for this to go and dropped it on the sidewalk. I reversed over it and I was like, well, I can't leave it there. So I decided, okay, get out. I'm going to quickly clean it up, get on my way. No problems, easy peasy. I get out and then I made the decision to pick it all up with my hands um, all the big bits first, went and dropped them in the bin. I'm like, I don't need to go inside and, and disturb the family again. I'm just going to get all the little bits and it'll be fine. So I went and I picked up all the little bits. I put them in there. I'm like, I can't get all the little bits. Like, they're tiny now. But I still had some on my hand. And for some reason, my brain went, oh, don't I just... You'll be, you'll be fine. Because <laughs> I was feeling the pressure of trying to get to church on time. All right, so then I go and I go like that. And I'm like, ow, that's why you don't do that. Um, and then, like, tiny cut. Like, I mean, the Band-Aid's much bigger than the actual injury, you know, but it makes me feel better. Um, <laughs> I go inside, I get the dustpan, which I should have done in the first place because that would have saved time. I'm trying to save time, but it's just not working out. And then I sweep it up, go back inside. Of course, you know, the children are like, oh, what is it, what is it? So, yeah, come have a look. This is what happened. I explain to Azalea, like, thank you so much. When you go and pick up rubbish at places, it stops things like this happening. As I was like, yeah, we've got to save the turtles. I'm like, that's right, we've got to save the turtles. Because kindies very good at teaching them that responsible recycling. Love it. <sighs> time. I tried to rush things, made more time, injured myself, and then get here till about 8.25. So, we try and do what we can to control our time, and we try to apply wisdom to the situation, but it doesn't always pan out the way that we think. So, I want to give you something right now, which you're going to have to do the heavy lifting uh, mentally. Uh, to apply to your specific situation. So there's three questions that we want to ask when it comes to using our time that can frame how we should spend it. The first question is simple. What is my past history? What's my past history? Because you're going to have things that are quite freeing in your current life. You're going to have things that are inhibiting because of decisions that you have made in the past. You are where you are because of past you has made certain choices and uh, this is the current reality that you're living in because past you may have made some wise choices or they may have made some foolish choices. And for some of us, we have to live with some foolish choices that are going to inhibit how we get to spend our time going forward. For some of us, our families are a lot messier because of decisions we have made or loved ones have made. For us, maybe we're educated because we went to uni, maybe we have a trade, maybe we... Um, just went through and got a job, worked our way up, whatever it might be, you have a specific level of education, of experience, um, and that's because past you has done certain things, and that can be quite freeing to now. Maybe you have some skills and attributes that are at your disposal which you can use, but past you has made decisions, so you've got to look back and go, what is my history? What have I done? Because where you have been is going to affect where you go and how you do that wisely. So that's the first question we need to ask. To take stock of our situation to make sure that we can use our time wisely, we need to acknowledge what we have done in the past. The second thing we need to do is we need to just have a look around and go, what are my current circumstances? What are the tools at my disposal right now? 
If I wanted to go as cricketer, I could go and spend my time doing that, but my current circumstances says I have a full-time job, I'm married, I have commitments to my children, uh, spending my time in that way would probably be unwise and foolish because I'm not even going to get there anyway. So if you look at your current situation, there are things that are happening in your life right now that are going to dictate where you go and how you use your time. So you need to just take stock. What are you? Are you young? This is cutting out. One, two, one, two, one, two. Are you young? Are you old? Are, are you retired? Are you still working? Um, are you just begin, beginning your journey? Are you studying? Where are you right now? Because that's going to have to take, you're going to take that into consideration where you plan the path you're going to go on. And then finally, you need to think what, uh, what is sorry, the future that you want to head towards. Where do you want to be? Where do you want to end up? And you need to take all three of those pieces together to make good use of the time that God has given you to use this day. If you don't acknowledge your past, then you're probably going to make some decisions which are going to do some more harm or are going to uh, not be correct because you're not acknowledging the reality of the life you've lived. If you don't take stock of where you are currently, you're probably going to miss some opportunities that you have currently or you're going to make decisions that just don't match with where you actually are and you're going to get stuck dreaming of a future that's just not possible. And if you don't ever stop and go, well, where do I want to head? How do you use your time wisely if you don't even know where you want to end up? Now, we always do that with a very loose hand, don't we? Because if you try to plan every step of the way to get to your dream thing, uh, life normally knocks you around and <laughs> reorientates you. But if you just la di da your way through life, you might end up in a great place, you might end up in a not-so-great place. But general wisdom would tell us that those of us who actually have a plan but hold it loosely will end up in a far better space than those of us who just hope for the best or for those of us who have such a picture of the dream future that we just like we just try to claw at it to make it happen so those are the three questions that can help us frame how to spend our time well now for some practical stuff and then i'm going to talk about motivation we're going to have a look at the good news of the gospel so if we're considering our past if we're looking around at our current situation that we're in and we're considering where do we want to end up and we take all of that together, what are some of the tools that help us take that information and help turn it into action with how we spend our time? I'm so glad you asked that question. Here's not an exhaustive list, but here's some things which we can do to help use our time well in that context. The first thing is to know our shape. I believe that every person has been created and designed by God, and each of us have certain things inside of us. We have spiritual gifts, we have skills, and for most of us, we have a heart, we have a passion for something that is greater than ourselves. If you're a Christian uh, this morning, uh, and you're listening to this, hopefully you know what your spiritual gifts are. Um, God said He'll give spiritual gifts to the church, and us as the people are the ones that hold spiritual gifting and that we participate in that as a community. So I redid a um, survey just to check it out because over time, depending on circumstances and situations and how God works in your life, they change, I think. Um, and mine came out as shepherding, giving, exhortation, teaching and administration. When I said administration, my wife laughed at me. 
you should always test what you do, eh? And <laughs> went to, I said, I looked at administration. I thought, maybe I'm better than I think I am. Then I went to Marnell, and she said, no. No, you're not better than you think you are. If you haven't done a uh, spiritual, test, uh, spiritual gifts test for a while, or you're interested, just go online, do a free one, and then uh, you, the important part is you've got to go and ask people for feedback. Don't just believe, otherwise you might create a narrative that may not be there. <clears throat> anyway, we've got to know what our spiritual gifts are. What do we have that offers to the wider church and to the community that we happen to live in? We need to know our skills. What are we good at? What can we do well? And we've got to know our heart and passion. So for me at the moment, because I've got young kids, my heart really does go out to families and parents and youth, um, especially around uh, making sure that parents love their children well and love their youth well. Um, a lot of the problems we see are most of the time because parents just make poor decisions. And we're human, and if you've made a poor decision, you know you're human, we're all human. But um, it really hurts when you see... Um, kids bear the brunt of poor um, decisions that um, adults make because they've got their own messed up situations and everything. Um, and what you're passionate about. So I am just passionate, to be honest, with just people living to the fullness of all God has gifted them to be. One of the things that makes me sad in life is when someone doesn't live up to the potential that God has placed in them. Because we all have potential to live up to the call God has on our life and to participate in the good news of Jesus Christ. So we need to know our shape, what are our spiritual gifts, what are our skills, where is our heart and passion. We need to evaluate our circumstances, I've already touched on this, what limits you, what frees you, what is unique to your situation. Uh, we need to ask the Holy Spirit for direction. We just need to go and pray and say, God, Holy Spirit, what am I meant to do with my time? Extremely practical, um, and then you just got to wait and see what happens. The Holy Spirit may speak through an internal um, call or nudge, He may speak through a friend or a situation or a circumstance. But you just need to go and say, God, what do you want me to do? Holy Spirit, instruct me in how to use my time well. And then just wait, listen, see what happens. Uh, talk to wiser people. You want to know how to use your time well? You need to talk to wiser people. I didn't say older people. I said wiser people. I don't care how many years you've got on the clock. Um, wisdom is not something that's always measured by age. So go and talk to someone who's wiser than you. One of the great things about church community is that we are exposed to people from different walks, different age groups, different professions that we don't always get exposed to in other situations. So one of the good things about being church, for those of us who are in the building and for the many who are online, part of being church is that you have access to relationships that you may not have in other situations. You might be in a quite homogenized um, work situation where everyone has the same experience as you. You might find yourself in a sporting club where everyone shares the same sort of views. But at church, we come with our different views, our different age, our different experiences, and we come together and we just be church with all of our brokenness and all of our um, differences and funny little things that make us tick, all of our little quirks. Talk to wiser people. Church is a great place for that. And assess the results of your time spent so far. What have you done with the time you've had? And this is a really good one, and we don't always talk about this one. Um, when it comes to spiritual disciplines, do you know, if you're a Christian, do you know how you connect to God? Are you someone who connects to God through nature, through your senses, through um, ritual and symbol? Are you someone who connects to God through solitude and simplicity, through activists from standing up for the little guy, um, for caring for others? Is that how you connect to God, through acts of service? Maybe it's um, enthusiastically through worship. Maybe it's contemplation. 
or maybe it's intellectual. And if you've been in church a while, it seems to be the intellectual one gets elevated there, but we all have our different pathways to God. For me, my pathway to God is intellectual, because <laughs> that's just how God made me, but it's also nature and um, enthusiast or through worship music and through connecting um, creatively um, with the world around me. Uh, so how do you connect to God? Because when you use your time well, you spend time with God in a way that makes sense to you. But what motivates all of this? What motivates all of this? And that's where I want to have a look at uh, Mark 1. And I read it out just before. I'm going to read it again. Uh, Mark 1.14. I want to have a look at this idea of gospel and good news. Because what motivates us to spend our time wisely as people who are in the faith, who are followers of Jesus, is the good news of Jesus. But unfortunately, for some of us, the good news of Jesus has been boiled down to, do you believe in Jesus or not, when that's not really the whole story. So this is what it says, the calling of the first disciples in Mark 1.14. After John was put in prison, so John is um, the guy who was going around saying, hey, Jesus is coming, there's someone coming you should listen to. They put him in prison, and Jesus then goes and starts to proclaim the good news of God. And the good news of God is this, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So the good news of God, or the gospel, is that the kingdom of God is coming near. Now to understand this, I'm going to give a really quick overview um, that hopefully is helpful and puts an image in your head. Um, when he's saying the good kingdom of God has come near, when he's saying believe this good news, the word there for gospel is sort of what was used in the Old Testament for proclaiming news about kings. So when a new king would come to reign or if a king maintained his reign, they would say, good news, the king is still on the throne. Or good news, this better king has come along, depending on the situation that you find yourself in. And so these people would proclaim good news and it would be something which the people would then get to celebrate in. So back in the Old Testament, when God was still working through the temple, the temple was the place where the spirit, uh, where the presence of God could be fully. Because the presence of God could be fully in one place, whoever stepped into that particular place, if they had sin or they had, if they had sin in their lives, wrongdoing, if they weren't perfect, if they weren't properly the way God made them, if they stepped into the presence of God, they would get killed. And so once a year, the priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, which is the middle part sort of where the presence of God fully was. And what they would do to make sure that the priest could go in and come back out again is that they would kill a lamb or kill an animal, that the sin from the priest would be transferred into the animal. Sounds barbaric, yes, absolutely, but it shows us the, the cost of sin. It shows us the, the hideousness of it. And then, now this person is free of sin, it's been put over here, they're able to step into the presence of God and they wouldn't get killed. If you want a, an image of this, uh, imagine God is the sun. And anything that is sin that comes into the presence of the sun just gets blown away. So right now, if you put any material close enough to the sun or on earth, we can make things hotter than the sun. You know what I mean? Like something really hot. And it just wipes out that particular material. Sin to God, if it stands close to His presence, just gets wiped out. And because we live in a fallen state and sin is a part of who we are, if we were to step right now into the presence of God, it would have to wipe us away. So the animal would die the person, the priest, could get inside and be with God's presence. Jesus, in effect, comes along and takes the role of the temple away. So he comes in and he now is the presence of God. He's bringing the kingdom of God to people. 
And then at the end of his life, when he dies, he becomes the sacrificial lamb so that anyone who believes in him, everything that we've done wrong transfers onto him so that if we were to come face to face with God, there would be nothing inside of us that would get blown away. And the good news that Jesus comes to proclaim is that he has arrived and he is now part of bringing the kingdom of God here into earth in a new way. So what motivates us as Christians who believe in Jesus is that we believe that Jesus has come and he's begun this process of the kingdom of God emerging out. And as as people who believe in Jesus have gone and spread the good news, they have gone and they've told people, if you believe in Jesus and if you follow him, then that sacrifice, he takes our place so that if we come face to face with God, there's nothing in us that stands in opposition to God. And that motivates us then to follow the teachings of Jesus. And that sort of motivates us to go, you know what, I want to use my time wisely because I know, I know that God has a redemptive plan for earth and He's invited each of us. In fact, He invites every person. Not everyone says yes, but He invites every person to reach out and take part in His redemptive plan for the earth. And in a way, when we believe in Jesus, we become sort of mini kingdom bringers. And as we live out our lives and as we love people, as we share with people, as we cry with people, as we stand alongside people, as we give food, as we give um, clothing, as we give patience, as we give forgiveness, as we become people who bring the kingdom of God with us, we're participating in His redemptive plan for the earth. And so using our time doesn't become a personal thing of how am I going to use my time so that I'm going to live a great life. Using our time becomes motivated by the fact that we know a God who has a heart for people. So then how do you and I use our time so that we can love other people and show them the amazingness of who Jesus is and what He has done in our lives? Now, for some of us, it's been a while since we felt passionately about that. For some of us, it's been a while since we've sort of been reminded that, hey, our life actually matters. We can get lost in the bigness of everything. We can get lost in the fact there's 7 billion people on earth. We can get lost in the fact that we get we might be in a job that we don't enjoy or we might be part of a family that we're not particularly engaged with. And we can get lost and just think, how do I protect myself? We can get lost in just the bigness of everything. But Jesus reminds us that He actually has individually created us, loves us, and we've been placed in our context for a reason. And we can redeem and reclaim our time to be a part of that redemptive plan and be bringers of good news. So as we close up, and I'm going to invite the band to come on up here now. As we close up, I just want to finish off by saying this. You may feel that your time doesn't matter on earth. It does. You may feel that um, what you have to offer is not a lot, but it is. Because Jesus has created you in a particular way, with a particular skill set, with a particular history and a particular calling, so that you can use your time to love other people here and now. And it may feel like it's not a lot. It may feel like what you bring isn't a lot. But I believe in the eyes of the kingdom and in the eyes of God, there's no little people. He loves us all. He wants to redeem everything back to himself and you and I are invited in that redemption journey to use our time to be bringers of kingdom of light of love 
of acceptance, of forgiveness in our particular situation and circumstance. And we can get distracted. Netflix is fun. YouTube's awesome. Shopping online is, is a whiz. Uh, TV is great. <laughs> like, you know, let's be honest, there's great stories that are on around everywhere, not just in technology. It's great to go out on the weekend and have fun with our friends. It's great to do a whole bunch of stuff. And don't hear me say, don't do fun things. I believe that when you follow Jesus, you should be having fun. If you're not having fun while you're following Jesus, something's not happening. If you're only having fun while following Jesus, probably also a problem. (laughs) You should be experiencing all of life's fullness as you walk alongside um, Jesus and are guided by the Holy Spirit. This is where I want to land us. What is God calling you to do with your time? Only you can answer that. There's no magic thing of going, here's how everyone should use their time. It doesn't work that way. I don't have your story. I don't have your skills. And I don't have your passions, your heart for the future. But you do. So what are you going to do with all of that? What are you going to do with all of that? Are you going to use it just so you can benefit? Or are you going to allow God to use your time and to use everything He's given you to help show other people that there is a risen Savior and His name is Jesus. And the only way to figure that out is as we follow Him is just to ask, God, what am I meant to be doing with my time? What call do you have on my life? And see what happens. But that's a journey for you to figure out. And that's something that you have to wrestle with. And that's something at the end of the day you have to own in your heart and own as a part of who you are. Because God has called all creation back to himself and for those of us that get to participate it's a fun journey it's a wild journey it's a hard journey it's a crushing journey but it's a worthwhile one when it comes to the stuff of life how we use our time is important because you could be the difference between someone getting to know the life-giving relationship that they can have with Jesus or someone that, that doesn't and that's not a pressure thing that's just a reality thing in terms of how we live our lives matters And I don't want us to think that our life doesn't matter. Because God calls everyone. And I hope that you pick up the response and say, God, what do I need to do with my time? What have I done? What am I doing? Where am I going? And how do I use it all to be able to live out the fullness that Christ has put in me?